Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, hello again, and welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. With us today is Kevin Leonard, who's been with us before. He's the executive director of the North Carolina Association of County Commissioners, which is the association that represents, guess what, the county commissioners of the state of North Carolina, uh, an organization that represents all 100 counties of North Carolina. Kevin joined the association in 2009. And, uh, you know, here it is, 2019. Some people can keep a job. Yeah, it went by real fast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, you know, uh, first of all, just for those who are overly, uh, not overly familiar with what your association does, um, let's talk a little bit about the role that the North Carolina uh, Association of County Commissioners plays in serving its members. Great. Thanks. Well, Don, thanks so much for having me back. I really appreciate it and looking forward to talking about county issues uh, in our state. As you mentioned, uh, the Association of County Commissioners um, represents all 100 counties. Uh, it's a membership organization, so the counties actually choose to be a part of it and have been a member of the uh, association for as long as I can remember. Um, uh, we've had all 100 counties be a part of the association. Um, we are uh, our, our board of directors is made up of 50 uh, county commissioners, 49 to be uh, technically accurate, with one non-voting county manager as a part of our, our board. I want to clarify that we represent the entire county. So while we are led by county commissioners, the elected um, uh, the elected individuals, we represent the county managers, the department heads, um, everything that is a county we we represent. So um, anything within a county we we talk about. Um, four major, uh, I would say, functions of the uh, association. Number one uh, is advocacy at the state and federal level. It's really how the association started way back in 1908, uh, unifying the voice of county government at the General Assembly. So we advocate uh, legislative goals down at the building and in uh, Congress. Um, we have a major education and conference function of the association, so we've had an annual conference since 1908 every year, and uh, we bring our members together to learn about leadership training and best practice sharing, and uh, we have national leaders come in and, and talk to our members about uh, – uh, current events and topics uh, of that matter. We have a, a research arm, so we collect a lot of data, uh, countywide data, and and aggregate that at the you know and look for trends. And then we give that data to our members as well as members of the General Assembly and members of Congress, and make that uh, data available to the public as well, uh, with a hope that it helps inform good public policy decisions. And then lastly, a major um, part of the association since the 1980s, I would add, uh, is that we provide uh, risk management uh, services. So that also translates into uh, insurance pools uh, for our counties. So we serve our counties by offering two lines of insurance, uh, workers' comp and uh, property and liability. Uh, back in the 80s, it was very difficult to uh, acquire insurance for counties uh, counties to access the insurance market because of, of rates. It still is um, because we, we do things that normal uh, entities do not do, you know, so there's a lot of risk involved in, in the work that county uh, employees and county governments do, so we offer that. So that's a quick snapshot of the things the association Well, uh, you does. know, we, we have uh, three levels of government, I guess, in North Carolina. We have the local government, which consists, though, of two branches, and that's cities and counties. Correct. 
And uh, so th- there's an interesting relationship between cities and counties because it does vary a little bit from county to county and city to city. Mm-hmm. There are some counties in North Carolina that are dominated by just one city, and so that's interesting. And then there's a lot of counties like, say, Wake Forest that have a pile of different municipalities. And uh, so y- you also then have a – there's a sister institution – the League of Municipalities, that you always work very closely with. Sometimes there's a conflict of opinion but because, because there's some you know things that mm-hmm. have to be discussed. But because of this role, very often you are able to work these things out uh, in, in the way that it's supposed to be worked out, that's, civil that's, discourse. Exactly. You know, um, and, and I would say this, too, that North Carolina is somewhat unique in the nation in its system of government. I, I would say there's probably five states in the nation that are similar to North Carolina where the local government, and I would say specifically county government, uh, is, a, is an arm of of the state so we're create the county government is created by the state with the so with the purpose of delivering state services like social services or public health um so that's kind of unique a unique uh, structure of government that people who have lived here all their lives may not even be aware is, is differentiation in other parts of the state but as you mentioned you also have uh, municipalities which are not uh, a construct of the state but basically they have a charter uh, they apply for a charter through the General Assembly to become a city, uh, and then that, that allows them to raise revenues to have additional services in that uh, municipal district or in that unit of government. The county government uh, represents everyone within that city. Just as a- an example, what's different just to our neighbor to the north in Virginia, the, the county itself is an entity, but the city uh, – is not part of the county. I know that's kind of difficult to explain, but if you if you if you go through the county and then all of a sudden you're in the city, you're in a different a unit of of local government, and they don't overlap. In North Carolina, it's sort of like a a layered cake. You got uh, the the state, the the county, and a city, but you're always in all of those things at the same time. And those services in the county are provided to every person resident in within uh, any level of government that you're in. Of course, one of the big functions of counties is uh, the construction of schools and uh, the school system. Uh, And so the Board of Education is another entity in there. Uh, And there are some city school systems, but they operate more independent of the cities than they do uh, the county. Because I'm glad you brought uh, school boards up because that's another elected, locally elected uh, board um, that people will run for. And their primary purpose, uh, school board, is to really look at that school system um, and work on the curriculum. They hire the superintendent. Um, if you think of the county government in, in the larger sense of like the, the federal government, the county government's what I would say is the legislative branch. They're in charge of – they're the purse. And then you have all of these different um, departments or boards like the school board or the sheriff's department, which is an elected official, uh, a constitutionally elected officer. Uh, the, the social services, as I said earlier, in public health, those are all departments or elected officials. And the, the county government raises revenues through property tax and sales tax, and then they're responsible for divvying up the budget to give to those separate entities. In the 1930s in North Carolina, there was a major overhaul of, of government in general, state and local. And in doing so, the state took on certain responsibilities like transportation. It makes sense to have a statewide transportation system and plan. 
and before that each county was responsible for their own roads uh so the state took that responsibility over and and sort of reshuffled the chips uh on other things as well one of those is schools and you brought that up so the the state is responsible the state of north carolina is responsible for operational costs of schools that's your teachers pay your supplies sort of anything in the building the county is responsible for the infrastructure, so for building the school building and other things in the county like jails and courthouses and community college buildings and things like that. So the counties are really responsible for that inf- infrastructure piece, uh, that that uh, that that tangible place you walk into. Um, and you mentioned I, transportation. You know, from time to time we hear people say well, it's a county road. There is no such thing as a county road. It's all part of the state system. That's correct. It may be in the county, out in the county, but it, there's, there, there is no county road. That is correct. These are state roads. Uh, if you're out in the county, it's usually a state road. Now, there are municipal or city roads. Yes. Cities have the ability to build roads, and they do. And so with your, if you're within the city limits, it's likely that you're you're on a city road that gets a little more complex in terms of if it's a state highway or federal highway or things like that i don't know um i, I would love to give you an update um i don't know what our time's like but uh, give you an update on the school construction issue because it's been there's been some major developments uh, with that uh in the state legislature since we last talked so uh, well, going, to, yeah, we've got time right there okay section. so the last time i was with you the, the a big issue for the association uh for the county association and for all 100 counties has been funding for school construction and as i said the delineation between the responsibilities of the state and the county counties being infrastructure state being operational it blends all the time. The county is actually putting funding into operational, and the state has helped counties out along the way with with school construction funding, um, with bonds. Uh, in 2005, the lottery was passed, and lottery funds were then um, appropriated to help counties build schools. Uh, so we, the county commissioners and the counties across the state and the association, have been advocating strongly for a, a bond, because we haven't had one since uh, the 90s, uh, for school construction. Uh, the House uh, put in the House of Representatives and the Speaker uh, early in the year came out in favor of a bond, almost a $2 billion bond. Uh, 1.5 of that going to school construction, the other is going to community colleges and some university spending. The Senate then came out with a separate plan, what they dubbed as the uh, pay-as-you-go plan. So instead of a bond or borrowing debt uh, and, and creating debt, the Senate came up with a plan uh, to take some funding uh, out of the, the general revenue uh, to put it towards a dedicated fund that would basically put funding uh, as we go along, and it would pay as you go, and then allot those dollars, real dollars, out over a 10-year period. So it was two different flavors of ice cream, if you will, uh, to, to choose f- from. And, of course, it ended up uh, – the Senate plan ended up in the budget, which has now been vetoed. But can uh, get into more of that uh, if, if you would like. We, we, like uh, we have members that like both plans, so we're just thankful that the General Assembly is talking about school construction. Well, that's, uh, of course, one of the factors or one of the things that, of course, everyone is interested in. Uh, there's a number of other things, and we'll get to them in the uh, remaining segments we have. As we talk with uh, Kevin Leonard, the executive director of the North Carolina Association of County Commissioners, and we'll be back right after these messages. Confessions of a Potentially Perfect Parent, brought to you by AdoptUsKids.org. Okay, here goes. 
I know more about cooking dinner for a party of 12 than I do about packing a lunch for a 12-year-old. I know kids like things like PB&J, pigs in a blanket. Oh, and fish sticks. They do love fish sticks. Fillets I get, but sticks? What part of the fish does the stick come from? I know I can read a cookbook that'll tell me how to make a red wine reduction, but where are the cookbooks that can teach me how to cut the crusts off bologna sandwiches? Oh, maybe we can compromise on mac and cheese. Can you make that with brie? Everybody likes brie, right? You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who would love to push your food around their plate. Call 1-888-200-4005 or visit adoptuskids.org for more information. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt Us Kids, and the Ad Council. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. We're back on the Carolina Newsmakers. Kevin Leonard is our guest. He's the Executive Director of North Carolina Association of County Commissioners, born and raised in Davison County, and uh, has lived in Wake County for some time, since 1999. And now he heads up the 110-year-old or so, approximately 110-year-old, North Carolina Association of County Commissioners. We've talked about uh, sort of an overview of the what the county commissioners are faced with as they do their job. One of the things that, uh, you know, the, the closer you are to you, the people who elect you, the more telephone calls you get, the easier peop- it is for people to get in touch with you. And I've always said that I, I've got this list of jobs I wouldn't take under any circumstance. City manager and county commissioner, uh, county manager are right up at the top because they're, they're so easily – you can talk to them so easily. And uh, so those are two jobs that I always admire when people take them on because it's sort of a no-win situation. It, it, it is the true definition, I think, of, of a public servant and public service. Um, many times you know, we'll go to meetings with members of Congress and members of the, the state legislature. Just recently when we were in Washington, I I, I don't remember if it was Senator Tillis or Senator Burr who was saying exactly what you just said, that uh, that county commissioners and, and locally elected officials sometimes have the most challenging job because you're correct. You, you're in the community. Uh, people who – the people who voted for you uh, will approach you in the grocery store or at, uh, at church – or anywhere out on the street, and and have immediate access uh, to you to talk about what's what's going uh, on in the community. But I will say this: that having had the chance personally to uh, to work at those levels of different levels of government, um, and, and you mentioned earlier, uh, I started in two thousand nine with the association, and ten years has gone by so fast because it's so interesting and it's such rewarding work. And I see the county commissioners across this state are some of the most dedicated public servants I've ever met. And if you really want to make a difference in your county, if you really want to make a difference in your community, that is the place to do it because you can have the most influence by working at the local level. And the other great thing about that is that when you, because you are there with everyone in your community, you can quickly draw people together and work on a solution um, to affect things like uh, early child uh, care, early childhood education, um, social service foster care programs, and you can work creatively to build programs in your community. So I, if there's anyone out there who is listening who has an interest in changing your community uh, in, in making a difference in public 
uh, policy, I would encourage you to look at uh, at local government. And there's also other ways to get involved. You don't have to run for office at the local level. You could also volunteer. Uh, there are many volunteer opportunities with advisory boards um, at your local level. Just approach. Um, you go go to your county website, uh, approach your county manager, and uh, and and ask about those opportunities. When I lived in Scotland County, where we lived uh, for about ten years, uh, Albert McMillan was the chairman of the county board of commissioners, and I would attend his meetings from time to time. And people would come forward with requests for funds, and uh, invariably, someone would say. Uh, uh, Commissioner McMillan, how do you stand on this issue? And he and he said something I thought that that everyone should listen to. He said, "I will vote for anything that you are willing to pay for." <laughs> he said, "You know, our job is to pay for things." Right. And he said, uh, "If you all these programs that you're advocating, some people are in favor of them, some are against. The question is, can we pay for it? And that's the real." question it's you know it always boils down to money no matter where you go indeed it does and and that gets back to you know something we mentioned earlier about um the county commissioners being the 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 purse or the legislative branch at the local level and so i think it might be instructive to your listeners to you know to think about or understand a little bit better how the funding comes into the county um so, so the county uh can get funds in in a couple of ways, a couple of different ways. Um, The main way is through property tax. And so if you are a property owner in your county, then you are paying property tax. And you probably know that already, but you're you're paying property tax. um, And that goes into the county county fund. And then uh, the other way is through sales tax. Um, And there's various levels of sales tax in uh, in North Carolina, let me back up to property tax. The, the the county commissioners have the authority, which is granted by the state in statute, to set what the property tax rate is. So every year there's an analysis. Well, that's not accurate. Uh, there, there's a reevaluation. It can be every four years or up to eight years, and there's a reevaluation of the property, and and that sets the rate. But they they set the rate, uh, and that will dictate you know what type of rate the uh, property owner is paying, and thus the the revenues that come into your and into the county budget. Uh, moving on to the sales tax, there are multiple articles of sales tax. So there's a base rate sales tax of like 4%-ish. I think it might be 4.25. Sorry, I'm, I should have that number. But um, in, in the state, and that's where the state gets a significant amount of their uh, revenue, general revenue. Uh, but on top of that, a county can adopt like by quarter cents or a half cent, an additional sales tax rate. And that adds again into the um, in, into what they can spend. They could also uh, re- re- get funding from the state for other programs uh, that are basically shared programs that the state mandates that a county provide. Um, uh, I, I talk about social services quite a bit, and I, and I did already, but I'll mention it again, and public health. They, the state requires the county to do public health and social services, and so fund, some state funding comes along with that. So then, as you said, there's a limited amount of resources, and then the county officials have to wrestle with all of those different priorities of, of the things that the citizens want, uh, whether it's parks and rec, and those parks and rec programs, or after-school care uh, programs. Um, but then 
those are those are those are nice things. Uh, some people would say they're absolute necessities, but the mandated things by law are things like public safety and providing for the sheriff's department, and in some counties, fire, like volunteer fire and things such as that. Um, but you talk about public safety and health and some infrastructure, schools. Those are the things that that counties must provide to the citizens uh, in their or the residents in their county. One of the things that you uh deal with and become of great value to many of the counties is the size issue. We have some very large counties like Mecklenburg and, and Wake and Guilford uh, and, uh, and some others. And then we have some extremely small counties where, as I've pointed out several times on this program before, there's a couple of counties that have less people in the entire county than my church. <laughs> I go to mm-hmm. a, a, a kind of a large church. But uh, uh, the, the same services have to be provided, uh, the base services have to be provided in those small counties. And that has to be very difficult when you've got a population of four or 5,000. That's right. So in the whole county. In the whole county. That's, and, and that makes me think of Tyrrell County yeah. um, uh, down east, which has a population of right around 4,000 uh, folks. And you're exactly right. Those base services, those mandated <sighs> services are required. Uh, and, and they should be. The, the citizens and the residents who live in Tyrrell County should have the same level of services or at least uh, access to some of those, those services just as the folks in one of our larger counties. Um, and it does become a struggle because, uh, as we talked about the property tax, you, if you raise a penny on the property tax, it's not going to yield a significant amount of revenue to increase the, the funds needed for some of those services. What, what this conversation makes me think about, uh, Don, is uh, our top legislative goal, our top legislative priority for, the, for this legislative uh, biennium, and that's broadband uh, deployment. Um, because if you talk about uh, trying to um, uh, provide services to a county that may be struggling in some way uh, with things such as uh, uh, connectivity or, and, and related to education opportunities and economic development, our members have identified uh, high-speed internet and broadband connectivity as the as one of the top issues to access that that would give them the ability to uh, at least have the opportunity uh, to to keep some of their folks home or draw business into that county because more and more people are working remotely now um, and. Tyrrell County is a beautiful county, uh, but if they had more connectivity, uh, they might have more educational opportunities. They might have more folks uh, coming down there to live during the summer or have a second home there so they could work from there. Um, so broadband connectivity is a major issue for all of our counties, uh, not our small ones primarily, but all of our counties in general. Where does that stand as far as the legislative budget so far? So there's a couple of things to mention on that. Um, uh, in the budget, uh, what the, the leaders in the House and the Senate have done is they've uh, created a fund called the Great Grant Fund. And the Great Grant Fund sets aside uh, a certain amount of funding to uh, provide to uh, uh, private providers. And in the current version of the budget, again, it's been vetoed, so we're sort of in limbo as to what we're you know, what we're to expect out of what's going to happen with the budget. We can talk about that in a moment if you'd like. But in that, they actually uh, put additional funding into the Great Grant Fund 
uh, I think it's about $15 million um, that counties and other providers could access to help incentivize getting uh, more connectivity out there. Our legislative uh, a priority and push however, is a little different, and it's in, another, it's in another bill. It's called the NC Fiber Act, and we're actually working on another uh, piece of legislation as we speak um, that uh, would maybe take a different attack on that. But uh, in essence, what we're asking for is authority from the state government to allow counties the ability to build infrastructure like fiber or towers or anything that would basically get uh, high-speed internet out there, uh, we would build it and then lease it to the private provider. We don't want to provide the service. We don't want to be the cable guy. We just want to be the provider of the infrastructure. You know, I mentioned earlier churches and uh, community organizations, and even within counties, there's a lot of what we call we and they. For example, the county board of commissioners will refer to the school board as they, and the county, the school board refers to uh, the county commissioners says they. So we're in a we and they thing. This interesting thing about that, as I always point out, is it's all we. For example, every member of the General Assembly lives in a county. Right. And so they they are part of the uh, the, the system that uh, they're, they've got to provide the funds for and the direction for. So uh, breaking down those we and they barriers sometimes is a little bit more difficult because it's logical that people will support the, the, the organization that they're in, but it, we're still part of we. It, I think that's well said. Um, Whatever you know, it was. <laughs> well, the, the we part, it makes me think of this, that – County commissioners, and, and, and this is something I've realized over, over my time at, at the uh, County Commissioners Association, is that if, if you're a student of government or, or love public policy, this realization came to me um, that county government and the government design in North Carolina is structured in such a way that the county commissioners are forced – by the design of our government to collaborate. And it's really a piece of art if you think about it. It's really frustrating too at the same time because if if you are forced into these territorial disputes, um, which I think is sort of human nature to some degree, uh, and, and, we're, and we're structured that way already, um, the county commissioners fund all of these things that we've already talked about. They they have to fund the sheriff's department. They have to fund the board, uh, the school board. They uh, they're required to do these things. In a city, in a, in a differentiation between cities, we were talking about that earlier. The the city has more of a um, a direct mission, and it's for the residents and the services within that district. And the way that they're structured, they're, they're basically saying this is how it's going to be and this is what we're going to do and the service that we're going to provide. The, the county commissioners, a differentiation there, is that it, the, it's designed in such a way that they have to come to some agreement. This board of five individuals or nine individuals, it, it varies in our, in, from county to county. They ha- are forced to c- sit down and collaborate and make decisions, the best way to spend these resources, these funds, and it, it, the answer is not clear. Everything's important. Everything's a priority, um, but they've got to choose, and it, so it forces collaboration between these school boards and and the and these other boards that the sheriff's department and the and the the social services board and public health boards. It's not. It, it's and it sets up conflict, but conflict's not bad. 
as long as you have civil discourse, and I, and I think that's what you were getting yes, at yeah. in your in your yeah. comment that we have to keep the bigger picture that we are all in this together and trying to provide the best service. And I think that county commissioners are extraordinarily well equi- equipped to have those conversations. And that's why when a county commissioner um, is elected to the state house or the senate, and that that happens quite a bit, you know, that I think it's a natural progression. From my perspective, I'm delighted to see that because they're already well-equipped to go down to the General Assembly and know how to work and collaborate together across all kinds of aisles, not just political aisles, but all kinds of aisles. Kevin Leonard has been our guest. He's the Executive Director of the North Carolina Association of County Commissioners, and we've been talking about the the function of that uh, wonderful organization that serves our state so well. Our program has been produced by Jason Cog, and he'll have another interesting guest for us. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast, you can go to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear just that. As I said, we'll be back on the same group of stations all across North Carolina again next week with another guest. So the next week, same time, same station. Have a nice week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.